Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 78 with Raj Sheath of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your earbuds with me. And as always, we've got another awesome guest for you today. His name is Raj Sheath, and he's the co-founder of a company called Recruiterbox. And uh, he's based out of uh, the Bay Area, but also they have offices in Bangalore. And uh, I think, yeah, he must be born in India and a really, really cool guy. He had a really interesting conversation and we really broke down um, something I've never spoken to people about before, and that's around, you know, when you want to raise capital, how much do you work out how how much you need to raise? And uh, we actually played around with some numbers, and he was really transparent with like the troubles, not really the troubles, but the challenges he's having with his business, but also he's crushing it. Like they're doing some cool stuff with SEO, so he talks about some cool stuff they're doing with SEO, and yeah, it was a really great interview, great conversation. So yeah, I, I think you're going to get a ton from this one. Um, really, kind of really switched the scenes up with uh, Raj, so it was awesome. Anyways, uh, yeah, look, guys, if you are enjoying these episodes, please, please, please do take the time to leave a review. Do check out the magazine. It is the fruits of our labor. You can go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R mag.com forward slash app, A-P-P, and uh, you can download the magazine from the iTunes store or the Google Play store, and uh, it's a monthly publication about entrepreneurship. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question I'm going to ask you, and that's uh, 
what I ask every one of our guests to come on is, how did you get your job? Absolutely. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a quick 30-second story, which, which will, uh, you know, set a lot of context. Uh, so I'm originally from India, and uh, I went to the U.S. for my undergrad to Babson for four years, which is where I started my first little internet company, a student business, which was a website that delivered food from restaurants that did not deliver themselves. Uh-huh. And then after college, uh, and that's a student business that I actually sold to uh, yet another student when, before graduating, right? Because I was going to graduate and I got a job at EMC Square, which was my first job. And I worked there for three years. And after seven years in the U.S., I actually moved back home to India. And pretty much between 2006 and 2010, I attempted and worked on two web startups. One was a classifieds portal like Craigslist for the Indian market. Mm-hmm. And the second one was an e-commerce site for luxury goods. But what happened is I, lo- I made a lot of mistakes with both those companies and I learned a lot of lessons. And at the end of 2010, I actually met, you know, these two guys in Bangalore. They, they were also about to start their own company. They were engineers from you know the Indian Institute of Technology which is a great engineering school and that was one of the reasons one of the big lessons that I had learned in my previous startup attempts that unless you have a well-rounded founding team it the going gets very tough when you don't have the right team for whatever goal you have selected so anyway uh, with these two other co-founders we launched recruiter box which is essentially also on the internet. It's an internet venture, but it's a B2B one, which is it's a software for other small businesses and growing businesses to manage their hiring on, right? So that's how I got this job. Of course, uh, I, I, can, I can get into why we picked Recruiter Box and how we got started and so on, but that's the short background as to how I got this job and we've been now doing it for five years. Uh, four and a half years, and uh, we have over 1,500 customers, uh, more than half of them in the U.S., and we are now over a team of 40 people. So, yeah, still still keeping my job and loving it, and that's that's a quick little background. Yeah, wow, awesome. This is interesting. There's a, there's a lot I'd like to unpack here, Raj. So yeah. I guess the first thing I'd like to start with before we delve a dip, bit deeper into Recruiter Box is mm-hmm. – you know, you said you, you've, you've tried a few other, you had a few other web startups, you know, you made some critical mistakes. What sure. were some of those mistakes? Sure. So the first uh, mistake was, uh, I'll, I'll take the first example. You know, I picked something where, you know, I, I kind of jumped into, I had seen something in the US and uh, I figured that it would work in India as well right, uh, which was the classifieds model. It's an assumption that people need a place to, you know, trade and buy and sell secondhand goods. However, I replicated a solution, but I did not define a problem statement. Like, what was the problem that I was solving for the Indian market? To be honest, I realized that many, many years after, only when I was doing Recruiter Box. That was, that was the first mistake, that uh, I, wasn't, I didn't define the problem that I was solving. If I had defined the problem, obviously I could have led myself into other problems like what was going to be the revenue model, etc. Like how 
once we solve the problem, how are we going to, you know, sustain it? How are we going to make money out of it? Uh, the second huge mistake I would say is I sort of underestimated the, you know, the ownership re- required for different roles. So what I mean by that is if you're building, uh, you know, a web application or a software product or any kind of a website or a marketplace, I don't think it's wise to, uh, you know, treat your main platform or your main product as as something which is a commodity that a freelancer can put together, especially since, you know, let's say I was, let's say I was selling bananas and it's an e-commerce site and I'm just selling fruit. Then the website is not my product. The bananas are the product, obviously. But if, if the site or the software application itself was the product, that is not something that you can, you know, simply outsource that has that vision, that creation has to come from one of the founders or, you know, one of the key people involved. So I would say that that was uh, a second big mistake. Obviously, the, the list is long, but I think that's the highest order bit, these, these two mistakes. Mm, I see. And how did you know when to, to give up on these two web startups and, and move on to the next thing? Because like, that's for some people, that's really difficult. <laughs> you know, to be very honest with you, and I'll I'll give you like a more fleshed out answer. But the the truth is that the money my I didn't have money, <laughs> so so that's the truth, right? Like it wasn't. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll contrast that with another example. Sometimes there are people that take the company to some extent, okay, and they are making some money out of it. They might even be making handsome money out of it, and they are at least getting a salary. And then those dilemmas come in that, you know, how do I know when to give up? How do I know if, you know, I'm going to just float along in a rut, et cetera, et cetera. In my case, unfortunately or fortunately, it was more drastic. I abruptly came to certain dead ends. Money was gone. Uh, I had a little more support and hence more motivation to try something different because maybe, you know, there was certain capital or a partner available uh, for the next one. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, that was a tough one, you know, and, and many times it was a gut call, right? Whether, hey, I should hang in there for six more months. By the way, I would also qualify this as a mistake, though, because... Um, you know, there are always two ways of looking at something. And one could say that, uh, you know, if I had been eternally persistent, then I would just have fixed all the mistakes of that first thing and kept doing it. So that's another way of looking at it. Mm. So what was different for Recruiter Box that kept you going? Like, you know, you got, it's like I'm on your website now and, and you've got some amazing, super impressive companies. Um, and we'll talk about that in terms of business development standpoint, but yeah, like what was different for Recruiter Box? What what did you notice? You know, you, you mentioned also around the founding team. You you found mm-hmm. that to be a lot more solid. Did you start Recruiter Box in Bangalore? Yes, yes, we started in Bangalore. So so there were to answer your question, there were two three things that were very different, which which just sort of led us here. The the first was the founding team. So my two co-founders not only do between the three of us, we had a very complementary skill set. You know, one is a back-end engineer. The other one is a front-end product designer who also wrote all the front-end code. So between the two of them, the entire product was launched. In fact, for the first 12 months, 
we didn't even have a fourth person. It was just the three of us. We didn't have any other employee. And I was working on all marketing, sales, growth, customer support related functions. Mm. Uh, so what was different was A, the founding team. So we were self-sufficient, right? Uh, that was, I would say that was the biggest reason. The second biggest reason is we defined a specific problem. So we said that, you know, lots of hundreds of thousands of small companies in all over the world, in US and elsewhere, are using an email address to manage their hiring process, to manage their incoming job applications. And this has ought to be very difficult. Imagine managing all your sales leads without a CRM, right? It's the same thing. We are a hiring CRM. Imagine managing 500 resumes just out of your email box. It is almost, I would say, impossible to do. It depends on your volume of hiring, depends on how you need to collaborate with other team members on interview feedback, et cetera. So it was a very uh, definite problem statement in that sense. And then our product was a point of view that, hey, for those people using email, this is how a hiring software should be. So we didn't try to make a very, we didn't try to copy like an Oracle or a Talio or a very large software. We had our own point of view on how a hiring software ought to be. So that also served us very well because it was an original point of view, right? And the third thing that was different is it was a product that we didn't need a lot of capital to market, to be honest, because you know, once I had it on Google Apps Marketplace and Chrome Web Store, and once we, of course, did uh, a lot of SEO activities around our front website and the blog, if you notice, if you go to Google and type in recruiting software or recruitment software or applicant tracking system, you're going to see Recruiter Box come up in the top three or four results, which till date remains our largest source of traffic to the site. Yeah, wow. And once that traffic comes to the site, they just sign up for the free plan and it is largely a self-serve product. So we didn't even need a sales team because it was a small, affordable product. People could, you know, more than 70% of the people that actually converted and paid could figure out the product themselves. So yes, we did have like a 24-hour online support and email support and chat support. And yes, we also provide demo training and we get on screen shares with all our customers from all over the world, but we could go a lot further as a self-sufficient company, the three of us, and then start reinvesting in hiring people and employees and improving the product and investing in marketing, etc. Mm, interesting. That customer acquisition channel around SEO, that sounds gold, man. Like, uh, are you able to give, give us some insight around how you did that? Absolutely. Uh, so to be honest, we it's not like we knew too much about SEO and it's not like we were experts. Even now, it's not like we are experts, but there were two or three uh, basic things that we, we started with. So the first thing we said is, you know, we read up a lot of stuff on SEOmoz.com, which now I think it's only called Moz.com, M-O-Z.com. And uh, what we figured out is, you know, as we, we tried to make the site very Google Webmaster compliant, right? So if you see our front site, it's, it's not just, we haven't peppered our words randomly. 
we specifically talk about recruiting software and recruitment software and applicant tracking system and the advantages of it right on the home page mm. I, i i agree and i understand that the home page looks a little heavy but the funny thing is we are sort of scared to change it now because it do, it does so well in google and and um, what we did is we didn't we didn't have a lot of spammy content or a lot of pages actually we had human readable content which google sort of you know gave us points for that hey this uh, this is like useful information it's human readable there is not a lot of trashy information or toxic links etc so funnily you know a lot of things that we did not do helped just as much as all the things that we did do on the front side for the ranking but that is that is just 40% of it the other 10 to 20% i would say is the other pages of the website all our features pages so there is a lot of information there on essentially what you know a recruiting software ought to do and the site has like a rich you know amount of information but more than 50% of what leads to your linking in my understanding is all is other very good websites linking to recruiter box so th- again this was not done uh, by some you know black hat strategy or we we didn't hire a team or a person or we didn't go about just putting links elsewhere these were actually all one by one organic links so if we, for example if we got an article on new york times or washington post or you know business insider or any number of sites we had a constant process where we would either guest blog for some of the sites or in in some cases those sites happened to write about us and we had sort of you know answered some queries etc and essentially over a very long period again this was not overnight it took i think more than 3 plus years mm. for very good websites i think what google calls uh, you know high page rank websites to link back to recruiter box which in turn also helps our ranking so these were some of the activities that we did we also continuously over the last four years we put out like uh, you know slide decks which we share share on you know slideshare.com etc or we come up with documents which we share on docstock and other places we come up with constant two blogs on our own blogging site so our seo is related to a lot of content that we've come up with over four years in fact we've only stuck to doing content for marketing that's all we did because we've been till today we have not taken any venture capital so even yeah, wow. today we remain a, a completely revenue funded self funded company with you know whatever these 1500 com- companies and growing uh, and now they're growing at a slightly faster rate so which is great yeah wow that's exciting and i'm curious you know are you based out of bangalore right now or cuz cuz i thought you were from san fran originally like are you, are yep. you in between like where are you based no so i'm based out of san francisco completely actually uh, for almost 2 years now 20 months mm-hmm. uh, we have seven full time employees in the us and we have 33 employees in bangalore so we are 40 people i come to bangalore twice a year for two weeks each two weeks in june and two weeks in december so i'm i am completely based out of san francisco i see and you know i'm curious like you guys you guys have got some like when you come to your website you know on the homepage um the first thing i noticed was you know what you guys are about but then also uh 
you know, you've got some big, big, well-known companies using your software, Recruiter Box. So straight away, I'm like, boom, that's impressive. These guys are legit. I trust them. Well, if Groupon are using them, uh, if Groupon is using this Crunchbase, Ola, Tomato, like these are big companies. Well, this software must be good. It must be legit. I'm curious around, you know, did you have any challenges because you were, you know, you, it sounds like your co-founders from Bangalore, a majority of your team is in Bangalore. Did you have any difficulties with, I guess, doing business development or, or getting some of these clients on or like, I'm, I'm really curious around that. Sure. So see, uh, uh, funnily, and, and that's, uh, you're right. That's the most interesting point. But if you, if we go back to the whole thing about Google and SEO that I was just describing, right, over the, over the last few minutes, that is exactly why we could actually do it from Bangalore. And, and let, me, let me give you more color into that. Mm. Um, we, we are a very low touch, we have low touch business development, right? So for example, we didn't reach out to or know someone or call someone at Groupon or Crunchbase or Olark or The Onion or Choice Hotels, right? Mm. They either 50% of them found us through either uh, a Google search or our organic content, okay, on Twitter or on Google. And the other 50%, we were recommended to them, okay, by their recruiting coordinators or recruiters or their peers, etc., Okay. Yeah. Now, now to them, if you think about it, we are not really in San Francisco or in Bangalore. We are on the browser. So we we have customers in 42 countries. So the, the physical location does not really did not really play up much and continues to not play up in our case. Because we have we have 24-7 uh, support and sales, first of all. So we have two two to three support folks in the US and one support person in India so we can cover the entire 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And and we even have like certain departments in the Australian government, by the way, certain teams that are customers. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the person's time zone, we are always available to give them a support response within five or 10 minutes or jump on a screen share training within three or four hours. We will schedule it with them and it goes on 24 hours a day. So we actually take advantage of being in these two different time zones. And we largely, this is, you know, this is a couple hundred dollars a month product. So if if we were selling a million dollar license, then you are right. It would be impossible to do it unless we were physically all sitting where the customers are sitting. Okay. Yeah, no, this is really interesting because... Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, I come here and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't pick that, um, you know, predominantly, you know, you have, you have, you have a big team in India, you know, like this is, this is amazing. So I'm curious, and this is something I'm going through right now, um, in terms of SEO, like, do you think you need a, like a, like a consultant to help or like, do you, do you guys have a, like a full-time SEO person? Like, this is something that I'm actually considering right now with it, within founder. I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Sure, absolutely. So we also made a couple of mistakes here, by the way. So I think an SEO consultant would be great if they are the right one, if they actually, uh, you know, so difficult to find someone good. Yeah. yeah. So so even when I'm giving you this answer, I'm thinking in my head that this is not really a helpful answer, but 
<laughs> but it's the true one the truth is that you you will talk to a lot of people and they are seo consultants fine but you don't really know what you're getting so i actually here's the tangible point so we did have a firm uh, for a period in the middle who was helping us and i'll tell you the best way to pick an seo consultant or a firm etc mm. if you don't have the expertise in house or at least if you don't have somebody internally who can take some time out to keep learning and iterating things so by the way that would be my first uh, suggestion that the startup founders or the entrepreneurs whether they themselves between their team or one other one or two other people in their own team even if they are not experts they should work on this themselves and keep learning and you know keep reading seo moz or you know other there's a lot of material out there like you know we it's it's great how much is available out there right and mm. you are also putting out material you're putting out this interview etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. so that would be my first preference the second preference is if you have to go out if you have to either get a firm or a freelancer etc you should have them describe to you the exact equation based on which they pick their activities so if somebody tells you that these are the activities this is what i'm going to do i'm going to put 75 links here and i'm going to write this and share it in these five places and so i think it is helpful to ask them why why they think this configuration of activities will lead to something because what you're looking for there is if that person has see it's not like any of them uh, intrins- intrinsically know what's going on inside of google none of us do actually but if they have done it several times before they will at least have some hypothesis mm. that okay if i if i do these four things this seems to happen if i do these five things this seems to go wrong etc so that is what you need the problem is if you have people blindly doing the activities that they are like oh i am a seo consultant i i know i can just you know i'll put out these blogs and these links and these things and if they have never tracked what happens based on doing that and why that is done that's a problem so it's just something to be cautious about mm i see so do you guys have right now like an in-house person or a consultant you use or not not at all not at all actually the funny thing is i'll tell you how it is split up so mm. my other co-founder was the person who uh, made the front site he did a lot of research about you know year and a half two and a half years ago and he got the front site in very good shape in terms of seo mm-hmm. and he sort of built it in such a way that even if he added pages through wordpress etc it would help you know overall but that was the one big thing mm-hmm. and the second thing that helped is we were constantly putting out content so we we just realized that after 7 months of doing that we came on the first page after another 6 months we came right on the top and it was a combination of all the links that we had built one by one not not any spammy links and our website and the structure of our website so if you see the home page there are like literal blocks of things where you know we go through why you why you should use a recruitment software need more reasons you know check out all our features etc if you just keep scrolling down you'll see that all of that is is uh, in some shape or form helpful information mm i see and i'm curious like when it comes to your team how many people do you have doing content full time and how much content do you produce on a weekly basis 
So we have one person doing content full time and we produce two blog posts per week. But at different points in history, we have also picked a content agency or an HR expert that could specifically write about uh, certain hiring practices, certain recruiting practices and so on. But internally, we have one dedicated person who owns the entire blog, who adds case studies. So if you go to our homepage and you look at case studies on top and she talks to our customers and she constantly adds case studies and basically any other additions or changes to the front side, she also does, including now putting out other guest posts and posts on LinkedIn, etc. So right now we have one dedicated person. Gotcha. I see. So from the sounds of things, things are going well, Raj, you know, you're self-funded, you guys are doing well, you've got some great customers, you've got a proven software product. What's next and what are your biggest challenges? Wow, we have lots of challenges actually, but I would say, so the one that's immediately a very big one on our mind is, so we get a lot of people signing up on the website, but now we are trying to increase, obviously, I guess, but we're trying to increase the number of conversions from the people that sign up. So I'll give you an example. We are fairly transparent about our numbers, but we get close to, we get between 1,500 and 1,800 people, companies signing up on the site every month from all over the world. And some are companies, some may not be companies and, you know, they may be what we call a stray sign up. But the point is, we think that uh, for our kind of SaaS business software product, we think that if we get to a 10% conversion, so if I have 1500 signups, I should have 150 companies using it well and converting and paying for the product yes right now right now i'm at a hundred so it needs to go to 150 so that this is a very big challenge uh, i feel because to be honest we we internally we have neither had the expertise nor the resources in terms of people who are focused on looking at this problem but now we finally have that so i'm very excited about the next six months we we're doing, we have broken down a lot of things and, you know, we are going to go after how to onboard people well onto the product, what should the screens be, you know, who should we offer a demo to, who should we not, what should be the emails that are sent in the first 14 days. We are now revamping all of that in December. So I'm very confident that we will be on our way to 150. That's a one big challenge. Second challenge is, um, and it would be silly to ignore this, but we are also in a very, very competitive space. You know, in, in the four and a half years we've been there, there is probably a new competitor every month that comes up or every two, three months. So yeah, wow. Uh, maybe maybe one, maybe like three or four competitors in the last five years have are also very, very well funded. So it remains to be seen how they're going to approach uh, this over, over the next uh, few years. But... We're not that it's a challenge, but it's not a worry because it's a very vast and open market and there is no clear leader. There is no market leader yet. So so we feel pretty pretty confident about our positioning. Yeah. I'm curious, like when it comes to you know, knowing that all these other companies are popping up with a with the you know maybe obviously not the same exact service offering as you, but you know, trying to tackle the same problem. How does that make you feel? 
like you know i know you said you're not that concerned but like you know what goes through your mind man so there are two there are two levels of thoughts or two levels of concern one <laughs> one i would call is a rational data based concern one is irrational so irrational worries we all have we i think we all have insecurities that oh what if this happens what if this doesn't happen oh there is all this money and what if something big changes and some something happens to our funnel and all of that so to be honest uh, i just ignore that <laughs> i don't know how, i don't know that's the honest answer there there's no sugar coating there i actually just ignore that i i don't really uh, spend my time thinking about it or i don't worry about it at night but the rational data based concern that is i'll tell you what what that is so we we have a lot uh, all our signups whether they convert to customers or not interact very heavily with our support team mm. right and with our uh, onboarding team which is like a sales team but we call it onboarding because they are not going outbound but whoever signs up they help them you know they pitch the product they show them how to set it up etc etc yeah now through this interaction we learn a lot about what the market is looking at how are they looking at our competitors somebody will tell us that oh you know in this competitor i can do it this way and you know it seems like that's a handicap on your product so those things it's very easy for us to act on if it if we believe that it's part of a product vision if we believe that is something our product ought to do we don't react to all feedback universally but now and that's what the 32 people in bangalore uh, help support by the way because they are the people who are working very fast on the product all the product and engineering is out of here mm-hmm. so if you notice we have we have we have a very heavy product engineering team we have far less people on the marketing customer facing side because you can make a lot of tweak by focusing on the product right so mm-hmm. we take that feedback and then this is this answers your question uh, you know about competitors because there is some uh, that is data and we ignoring that would would not be good uh, business sense right so we don't ignore that but just worrying about uh, the market in general is is not productive mm yeah i see yeah okay yeah cuz like i was going to ask you know um you do have a decent sized team uh, so so you have a big focus on product exactly exactly and from and it, terms of sorry go on No I'm saying that in fact even the way we are looking at marketing going forward is going to be enabled by the product right instead of saying that hey we're going to do a whole bunch of pr and public relation a lot of digital ads our uh, solution or strategy is always to tweak things in what happens when the person signs up right so we're going to make a lot of tweaks there so you know more people will complete the onboarding know how the product can help them etc so it's all product based marketing that we are focused on gotcha 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 that's low hanging fruit by sounds of it exactly exactly gotcha i was going to ask you know when it comes to you know you said some some other companies you know in your industry are uh, are funded in terms of scale like have you guys considered looking to raise capital to to fuel growth um how come you have not like what yeah. thoughts on that correct uh, so the thoughts are that we are going to we wanted there are two things here the short answer is we are going to look at 
capital and the role the capital is going to play in a further growth in 2016. So by the second quarter of 2016, which is like about three to four months from now, uh, we are going to start thinking about it. The reason we haven't thought about it in the last year and a half, I mean, before that, I think we were too small and we were like already making good revenues so that uh, an angel round did not make sense. But I think we were still not ready for a series A. Uh, so this is about a year and a half, two years ago. In the last year and a half, we felt that we needed to learn a lot of things, improve a lot of things on, on the product. We needed to tweak a lot of things. And we had certain bets about, you know, other problems that we wanted to explore in hiring that recruiter box can solve. And we wanted to test whether this is solving enough of a problem. And we needed to build a product team. So by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, I, I keep telling you we have 40 people, mm. but 25 of them were hired just in the last eight months. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. we, were, we were only 15 people at the beginning of 2015, right? Yeah. So, so and, and revenue was coming in and we reinvested all the revenue in basically hiring people. So the point is, the, the way we were looking at it is, if we had gotten in distracted by the whole fundraising activity and actually gotten uh, an institutional investor a year ago, then a lot of things may have gotten hijacked and it would it would look like a very different company. At least that is what we thought. So we wanted to first set out and do all the things we, which we already knew we had to do deliberately. And as long as, like I explained all our marketing activities, we don't really pay a lot of money to acquire customers or we don't need a very large sales team, right? Mm. Uh, so we need to now look at you know, the pros and cons of where specifically money is going to be a bottleneck and then react accordingly. And if, if money is going to be a bottleneck to growth, then sure, then we will have to raise money. I see. So when it comes to like, you know, you said you guys are, are looking to do a series A, how do you work out how much you need and, and stuff like that? And how much do you, how do you work out how much of your company you want to give up? So, so let's, let's pick some numbers. Let's say next year, I am at 5 million in revenue per year. Let's just say that's the rate, right? I'm yep. at roughly 5 or 6, let's say 6 million. I'm at 6 million and that means I'm doing, ours is a recurring revenue business, right? All yep. our customers, their cards get charged every month. Yep. So annual recurring revenue, ARR would be 6 million, which means that monthly recurring revenue would be $500,000 a month, right? Yes. And obviously, I will have a plan that, uh, deploys a little less than $500,000 on my entire expense side, the team, the team in the US, the team in India, marketing, product, everything, technology. And essentially, that is a moving break-even point. Now, if I were to say that for our next plan, let's say for our 2017 plan, mm -hmm. we don't need to spend $500,000 a month. We need to spend $2 million a month like literally 4x. Yes. Uh, or we need to spend 1.5 million dollars a month, right? Then we would we know that we were we are going to look at something around 20 to 25 million to raise 20 to 25 million because we would already be at a rate of 5 million and we want to quadruple our spend by 4x and plus we need to have a runway of at least 12 to 18 months, right? Now, again, there there are a lot of assumptions, but ju just for the sake of 
giving the listeners something to touch and feel right we are yeah. we, we're going through an example otherwise it'll be too vague but i would i, would, I still would start at whether that two million spent per month is required, and what is that going to get us in 2017 and 18? But let's say we did say this, and we decided we wanted 20 to 25 million, and we would put up a plan around that as to we need to spend 4x uh, because we need to we are going to have a growth go up by 8x, let's say uh, compared to whatever we had forecasted initially or whatever we grew from 2015 to 16. Now, uh, we everything would need to be back calculated from there. You know, what the valuation would be or how much we would give up, etc. But I don't think even for whatever said amount, we would probably, you know, give up more than, you know, I don't know, 20 to 25% of the company. But again, I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of numbers here. It would really depend on the specific thing. Maybe we would give out less and maybe we would take less money and, uh, maybe the plan it would it would all be derived from what the plan is the operation plan mm, i see and where will you try and do your raise will you try and do your raise in india or in the states in in silicon valley uh, no so so our market is in the us and we are registered we are a registered parent company of the us so any raise we do any capital event we do will only be in the us Ah, I see. Uh, that's where we collect revenue. Whether the customer is in US, UK, or India, they are paying our US company, right? So the US parent and the Indian company is uh, is is like a subsidiary of the US company. So. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, wow, that was really interesting, and um, yeah, I, I'm sure our, our audience will get a lot of value from that. Just that quick little breakdown. I guess, uh, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, Raj. This has been great. Uh, I'm glad. Look, look, are there any any last, you know, final words of wisdom that you'd like to finish off on? Like, do you have any actionable items for our audience? Uh, there was a lot to take away from this conversation, but there's any anything else you'd like to finish up on? Yeah, uh, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, strategy and numbers and all these things. Uh, hopefully some of it was useful, but... When you use the word wisdom, what comes to mind is, and I know this might sound uh, too generic for people, especially when they're getting started, people are very uh, tactical and they're excited and they're ambitious, which is all great. But I think the one one thought that I would leave people with is they should pick something that they want to spend doing for the next five to 10 years. They should pick something that they love. Right, because it it becomes very difficult to say that I want to make X money or I think this will sell well or this seems a very good idea, and you get started with it, but almost always it's going to take many many years for that to actually manifest. So the only thing that will keep you going is if you actually love uh, the problem that you're trying to solve or all the things, all the hoops that you're going through. So I, we hear a lot of people say it like in different speeches and all, but I think it's definitely not, you know, bullshit. I think it's very relevant. I think I would only pick something I'm going to love doing because life is too short and all of this is a gamble anyway. Like people make it, people don't make it, but I think it's important to do what you love. Mm, yeah, I agree hundred percent. Just on that, like, how did you know that you'd fall in love with creating recruiting software? So again, the honest answer is I did not. I, I always wanted to do, uh, my primary excitement factor was having some sort of an inter internet property, like an internet website 
and that's why I specifically worked on the marketing problem. The the recruiting software problem excited me later when I was discussing it with you know my co-founders five years ago. It because I felt that wow, and and all three of us had worked in large companies before where we were pulled into interviews by HR, like we were conducting interviews, mm. and we we remembered that how messy it was to just do it by email back and forth. And I thought it would be so powerful if we could reach out to you know hundred thousand companies and and they with just couple of clicks and logging into somewhere in the browser they could have a beautiful process. That is what was very exciting to me and having this internet site which you know people all over the world could use that is what was very exciting to me. So I think that that was my and you know whenever we we got bursts of traffic or whenever the SEO worked out or, or different things were happening. Those things were very excited to me. So yeah, it wasn't clear at the beginning that it was, you know, just to do with recruiting, but it sort of all came together once we we decided on a problem. Mm. Awesome. Well, look, uh, last question, Raj. It's been an awesome conversation. Uh, where's the best place our audience can find you? So my Twitter handle is who is Raj, but uh, if they want to send me a personal note, they can write to Raj at recruiterbox.com which is R-A-J. And again, if they go to recruiterbox.com slash prepare, uh, that's the book that I've written on, you know, how to hire early employees for your startup. So that's a, that's like a, just a hundred page guidebook for other startup founders. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I have to ask you about that book. Just, just like, like 30, you know, 30 seconds to two minutes. You know, how's the best way, you know, what's the best way to hire that you've found for, for early stage startups? Yeah, I think uh, w- the mistakes that we were making is I think I was not very good at uh, in evaluating because we, uh, let's say, for example, we said that let's hire a customer support person. And then we got into an interview and we started asking them questions. However, I thought that basically a structured process in your hiring helps a lot. And then you don't even have to historically be good at hiring. And what I mean by structured is now we follow four steps. Like we call it the pair process. The first is a problem. We we first decide in one line, what is the business problem that this role is going to solve, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason we, if we say that this person is going to essentially, you know, ensure that all customers paying or otherwise are you know happy and satisfied i'm just taking an example the book goes into a lot of detail on this mm-hmm. based on that statement i'll come up with the activities of the role which is the recurring activities that the person does every day or every month or every week to achieve that business problem that they want to solve right so it's the activities based on the activities we come up with the requirements like to do these activities, what are the skills and characteristics that person would need? Like, what would, what are the troubleshooting skills, or what is the what are the uh, soft skills like empathy that that person would need? And once you get the requirements, you can then have an evaluation which only evaluates the person against those requirements, right? Instead of just doing something in the air which is subjective, you have an evaluation which is evaluating the empathy, evaluating the troubleshooting skills, evaluating those things. And, and I talk about, you know, evaluation both in interviews through questions and uh, as simple tests, whether they are on the application form or they could just be a question or an exercise. And I, I found that very 
it made my hiring very predictable and i started making much fewer mistakes mm yeah that's awesome that's gold man well thank you so much dude so absolutely recruiterbox.com and best place to find the book was recruiterbox.com/prepare p r e p a r e awesome 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 well look raj thank you so much for your time it's been awesome and uh yeah yeah really appreciate your time it's a pleasure hey guys i hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.